So we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about what it means to follow Jesus, basically. I mean, the tw- you know, there were the 12 disciples who were literally following Jesus everywhere, and now we are metaphorically following him. And we're talking about what does that look like? How do we grow in that? Because it's, it's interesting to me, because it, it, it's a relationship. I mean, we have a relationship with Jesus now, but this... As I'm thinking about the subject of relationship, it makes me think, man, so in movies have an interesting way of dealing with relationships. They always focus on the the initial attraction, right? Like the movies always end like with somebody getting married or you know, if you watch like any every Disney movie ever, right, ends with you know, it just ends with like they get they get married and then they live happily ever after. And we never, we're not expected to think about what the happily ever after looks like. We, we don't know if Aladdin ever overcomes being a compulsive liar. We don't know if, we don't know if Flynn Rider ever deals with his crippling identity issues. Like we, we don't, we don't know how Belle handles as the monarch over a castle full of people who just spent the last like decade of their lives as sentient furniture. So we don't, we don't know how the happily ever after goes. We're just expected to assume that it goes well. Happily ever after. So I feel like our relationship with Jesus, sometimes we do something similar where it's like, okay, there's this initial attraction where we discover who Jesus is and who we are, and then we recognize that we need him, and we recognize how badly we need him, so we say, yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. But unlike the movies, we don't get a happily ever after in the sense that we don't get like the credit. The credits don't just roll. It's like, all right, we're good now. That's all the work. The work is all done. We can just kick back and assume everything goes well because, as I'm sure many of you have noticed, life kind of goes on. We say yes to Jesus, and then life continues, and sometimes it looks a lot like what it did before after a while. Like it's, We start to kind of get back into the same old routine, and we start to wonder, like, wait, I thought things were, were different now. So... Tonight we're talking about growing in that relationship with Jesus. We're talking about you know what happens after we say yes and we agree to follow Jesus, how we go from being where we are to where we know we ought to be. So kind of backing up, kind of establishing a, a bit of a baseline here. So what is our goal then as Christians? What, what are we trying to accomplish? Does, any, does anybody have a thought? Like, does anybody have a thought here? Like, what exactly is our goal, is our end goal as Christians? Making it to heaven. Okay. Another thought, maybe. Telling people about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, all right. Well, so at the heart of all those things, at the heart of, you know, wanting to go, you know, we go, we want to go to heaven to be with God. We want to, you know, be more like God. I mean, that all comes back to wanting to glorify God. That is our ultimate goal. We were created in God's image. We were designed to reflect his glory back to him. So Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of tr- truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So this ver- this couple of verses basically covers like okay you heard that you heard the word of the truth you believed in him you were sealed with the promised holy spirit we've been talking about that for the last few weeks 
who is the guarantee of our inheritance, the inheritance being eternal life. But the words I want to focus on there at the end are to the praise of his glory. So it's not just exclusively about getting into heaven. It's not exclusively about any one of those things. All those things kind of flow from this one central goal of becoming the, becoming the kind of people who praise God in everything we do. I mean, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I mean, it's supposed to be an integral part of our daily lives. And yet that doesn't always look like an integral part of our daily lives, which is the part I'm kind of... Which is what we're going to talk about in a bit here. So what should our lives look like then? Because it's like it's easy enough to say, okay, so we want to glorify God. That's that's pretty abstract. That's pretty low. That's pretty low level. So go ahead and if you will turn to Galatians 5:16 is where we're going to start there. We're going to talk about something that Paul, the author of Galatians, calls the fruit of the spirit. Paul starts off by saying in verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, so we are to walk by the Spirit. What does that look like? Well, we jump down to verse 22, and I'm sorry if you're still turning there. I'm kind of moving quick. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. No, no one is ever going to tell you to be less patient. You are being entirely too patient. You're being too good. No one's ever going to tell you that. The fruit of the Spirit, then, that's what, we should be seeing, that's what we should see in our lives if we are walking with Jesus, if we are in that relationship with him. So there's a funny thing about fruit, and it took me entirely too long to figure this out, given the fruit metaphor is very obvious. But... A branch kind of produces fruit naturally, doesn't it? Like, if all goes well, that branch is going to produce fruit. You see, me, I try, I try to, I, I always try to manifest these things in my life as, as kind of the, I make that like the goal, the priority. I mean, like, I, lately I've been, I've been struggling with, you know, joy and, and peace, and particularly lately. I've got, I've got some, some stuff going on, and those have been hard for me. And so what I've been doing, though, what I do is I, I will tell myself, okay, I need to be more peaceful today. I have been entirely too stressed out. I need to be more peaceful. It's a fruit of the Spirit, right? That's what God wants for me. He wants me to be peaceful. So I'm going to be peaceful. And then by the end of the day, I am twice as stressed because now I'm stressed out because I'm not as peaceful as I should be. And I've been consciously aware of that all day long, just how unpeaceful and unjoyful I've been. But you see, the thing with fruit is the fruit grows naturally. You see, when a, branch is just con- when a branch is connected to the tree, when it's getting water and sunlight and nutrients from the soil, etc., it's just going to grow that fruit. I mean, it's in the tree's DNA. It's, and it's just like that for us with the fruit of the Spirit. God has rewritten our DNA. We are now capable of producing this fruit, but it's not a matter of just sitting down and saying, I am going to do this today. I am going to be peaceful today. I am going to be good and kind. I'm going to do that. It's not just a matter of that. If you are not connected to the tree, if you're not connected to the tree and getting those nutrients, you're not going to grow that fruit. So really, before it's like before we really start talking about like what does what do we do to grow spiritually, we have to kind of realize like growing spiritually is not just a set of actions that we perform. 
in order to get closer to God. We must first maintain that connection. So if you have your Bibles open, go ahead and turn to John 15. John chapter 15. We're going to read some of the words of Jesus here and what he has to say on the matter of tree branches, basically. That's right. We are, we are riding this tree metaphor all, all the way. We are going, we're going all the way with the tree metaphor. Well, and we're doing it because Jesus does it. So that's where, that's where we get it. So John 15, starting, so starting in verse 4, Jesus says this, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, or by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So Jesus probably says it a little better than I can there, but that's, that's the thrust of it, is Jesus is the vine. If we're not connected to the vine, we don't bear fruit. I mean, to abide, abide is an interesting word because it doesn't come up very much in our modern English vernacular. I don't know how many of you use the word abide today, but it basically means to kind of to wait or to dwell or kind of both. I mean... It's a hard, it's, it's, I have a hard time exact picturing, like, what does that look like exactly? But we have this picture of a branch abiding in the vine. Like, that branch is attached to the vine. It is with that vine. It is receiving the nutrients from that vine. I mean, and that is what Jesus calls us to do, is to, to abide in him. I mean, see, it's, it's easy for us to think, like, okay, like, I, I need to get, you know, I need to do these good, I need to do these things. I need to have these fruits in my life, otherwise I can't please God. And it's like, that's, it's, it's a little backwards. Yes, you need to have the fruits in your life. Yes, we want to please God. But first, we got to think about the, we got to think about abiding. We got to think about being connected to the vine. I mean, because we are not battery-powered people here. When it comes to our spirituality, we do not just plug in every night when we go to sleep and then unplug in the morning and then hope we don't play too many games on our phone to make it through the day. Um, we need to be constantly connected, which is a hard idea in the age where everything is batteries, but there you go. And then that's what the Bible says. I mean, later on in verse 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified. There we go back to the glorifying God thing. You know, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The fruit is the proof. If you are, if you are God's disciple, you will have the fruit. It does take time. And we, and we can count on God for this, though. I mean, it says in 2 Peter, 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, Verse, starting verse 3 here, and you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read it. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. There you go. He is the one who gives us the power. He's the one who enables us to do this. So now that I've talked about what spiritual growth isn't, now I can maybe talk about what spiritual growth is. Now that I've spent half the lesson on that. And this is a part I've thought a lot about. I'm not sure exactly how to say it, so I think I'm just going to say it. First of all, you should be reading your Bible. If you've been in the church for a really long time, that is going to sound like a no-brainer. It's like, oh yes, I should read my Bible. 
but you don't know how busy I am. Well, I don't know how busy you are, but I know how busy I am, and I know that that is hard. I know that it's difficult and uncomfortable, and when I was your age, I pretty much never read my Bible, which is, you know, that's, you know, shameful confessions of the pastor's son. Like, I, it's like, I, I, <laughs> I didn't. I had more time than I did that. I had more time then than I did now. I, I didn't have any excuses. I just didn't. It was tough to get into. It was kind of impenetrable. You get to Chronicles and you wonder, why do I need to know all of the names of David's mighty men? Like every last one of them and what town he was from and who his daddy was. Why do I care about this? You know, why, you know, why do I need to know in Genesis you know, who begat who? You know, It's like, okay, so there's Adam and Eve and they're cool and all, but then who is like Methuselah? down there at the end and it's just it's but most of all I mean I think it was the guilt the kind of the self-defeating cycle of guilt uh where it's like you don't re- it's like you don't do it and you feel like oh I should do it but I didn't do it what's the point in starting now because I'm just going to not do it again later so I want to encourage you with this 2 Timothy 3 16 through 17 all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Being complete. It's like if you want to be complete, if you want to attain to that, you got to read the Bible. That's where That's one of the main ways God has designed for us to learn about who he is. And and who we are, and how we are to be, you know, how we are to live our lives now. So I mean, there are you know, we live in an unprecedented age of Bible read-through plans. If you don't know where to start, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're confused, I mean, if like if you don't know if you don't know anything else, I mean, picking a gospel, one of the go- one of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, is good because that'll just tell you about Jesus, and then you skip all the genealogies. Except there's still some in the beginning of Matthew, but. You you gotta just be okay with the genealogies; they're everywhere. Um, I mean, I just want to encourage you. It's a joyful. Th- I mean, it's gotten to the point where it is a joyful thing for me now. And I don't say that because it's not it's not easy. It's like no, I'm way busy. It's like I'm you know reading. I'm some day some mornings I'm reading my Bible while I am making my lunch so I can you know get out the door in time to not sit in traffic for an hour. And it's. It's a joyful thing when you do kind of get finally get to that point where you're reading a genealogy and you're just like, wait, I think I might know why this is here now, or, or like, wait, I can kind of connect it to this now. I mean, it's a beautiful thing when you are reading Hebrews and you are finally understanding like what God has done for us in a deeper way. It's, you know, I would encourage I would encourage you guys to just start somewhere. <sighs> okay, the other big one is a section I thought about even more than that section. Because I know a lot of people for whom this is a much more difficult thing. So I'm going to say it. Uh, you need to be a part of the church. And I don't mean go to church on Sunday. Let me tell you something else. Shameful. This is, this is shameful confessions of the pastor's son tonight. Um, I went to church every Sunday except when I was sick because I needed to be there. But I was not a part of the church. Whew, that was weird to say out loud. I was not a part of the church because I was not involved. I didn't really want to be there. I kind of just doodled in my notebook. 
during the sermons, and I went to youth group, but the youth group there was, yeah, uh, yeah, the youth, uh, the youth group there, the youth group there was a, uh, you walk in, so it's like, you know how when you walk into this youth group, everyone's just hanging around the front talking and having a good time. You walk into that youth group, there's circles. The room was full of these like these impenetrable circles where everyone's back was to you, and you walk in and you're just like. I don't know how, I, I can't, where do I fit in these circles? So it's like youth group wasn't a very terribly inviting place. And the church was great, I just didn't appreciate it at the time. Because I didn't really see how it applied to me so much. It's like, I, you know, I kind of, I went on Sunday, and it was good, I guess. And then I went home, and I played video games. Until my parents banned video games on Sundays because they felt I needed to focus more on God. But, uh, that was... A mistake. And I can tell you why. Um, if you get, once again, if you got your Bibles open, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to talk about why, why we need to be a part of the church, not just showing up on Sunday, not just showing up to youth group, but being a, a part of the church. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12, says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Here's these concepts we've been talking about coming up again. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I'm going to go ahead and pause there for for a bit. But uh, There's no such thing as an individual Christian. You are baptized through one spirit into one body. There's no such thing as an individual Christian. None of us can say, like, okay, I'm a Christian now, and I'm just going to go be a Christian over here by yourself. It doesn't work like that. We were baptized into one body. It says it right there. And this body metaphor, it's kind of a lot like the tree metaphor when you think about it. Like, just how, just as a branch disconnected from the tree is not going to grow any fruit, a body part disconnected from the body isn't going to do anything. If there was a hand laying on the floor over there, first we would first we would be very afraid, very afraid as to what happened and why there's a hand on the floor. But that hand would be doing nothing, even if somehow the hand were, moti- were moved by dark powers beyond our imagining to still be capable of mo- of motion. That hand would not get very far or do very much. Just so the person who lost the hand wouldn't be doing as much as usual. Like, I don't know if you've ever tried to go through a whole day with one hand tied behind your back. Or there was a, okay, there was a class at my high school. 
that I never had to take because I took a running start, but uh, every now and again, you know, you'd see someone walk into class which is just blindfolded. And then the next day, you'd see someone ro roll into class in a wheelchair. And then you'd see someone come in with, like, big old, like, earplugs. Part of that class was kind of teaching people, like, what it's like to have, like, a disability or something, you know, to kind of help people understand, like, what it's like to be missing some of your faculties. And, you know, you're not able to do quite as much as everybody else. And so a body missing one component is going to be way less effective than a complete, whole, functional body. So what I have to say to you on this subject is that everyone has a role in the church, just as there are many members, one body, each one has a different function. You know, he says, you know, like the foot cannot say because I'm not a hand and not belong to the body. It's like the foot has a different function. Like if you had a hand, another hand instead of a foot, that would make things a little more, a little more difficult for you. So just so there are many different functions in the body and every one individual person has, has one or more, multiple even. So the thing is, God has given to us each a, you know, spiritual gifts, like through the power of the Spirit. And that is a thing we could spend another like five lessons on. I can't quite get into that tonight, but just know that God equips each and every one of us in a different way to build up the church. Man, this is something I did not even, could not even begin to comprehend. I don't, I don't even know if I fully understood it before I started talking about it, but we are not designed to operate independently. If you don't want to be a part of the church, you're selling yourself short, first of all. But second of all, you are doing, you are doing the church a disservice by not making your unique gift a part of the greater whole, a part of that body. I mean, you may feel as I did that you know you're you're too young. You know, it's like you're not old enough to have to to matter in the church. Like the church is for old people who have arrived. Let me tell you, the old people have not arrived. They are just as messed up as you are. They're just better at hiding it. <laughs> that is Debbie. She is not an old person. She is well seasoned. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, so basically, I mean, I've met a lot of people in my life who have a lot of different reasons why they don't go to church. I know some people who tried church and they, were, they, they just ran into some really nasty people who hurt them really bad emotionally. And I know people who, like I said, like I did, felt like it, you know, they didn't really belong or didn't really matter or whatever the case. I don't want to trivialize anyone's reasons. If there's anyone here who, you know, comes to youth group but doesn't want to go to church, doesn't like church, doesn't think it's a good thing. I mean, this is also not an advertisement for Harvest. I mean, it's like I we'd love to see you here on Sunday mornings, but it's like really, Jesus, as far as Jesus cares, it's you know, he's it's not about like you got to go to this one church. We are not. The one, we are not the one only Bible teaching church. If anyone says that, run. They are a cult. They're going to indoctrinate you. Um, but being a part of the church, and that's the part I want to emphasize, is being a part of the church, not just being there on Sunday mornings. Like I said, I was there on Sunday mornings. I was not a part of the church. I didn't feel like I belonged there. I did it because I felt like I needed to. And I do want to just go ahead. I do want to point out that if you're just coming to youth group, that's cool. 
We love, we love having you here. We love having the opportunity to bless you guys individually, uniquely as high schoolers. But even then, this is not the whole church. This is just a small subset of the church. And if you, you know, and if we just separate out the youth, we are cutting vital organs out of the body. You guys are vital organs. Each and every one of you individually is a vital organ to the church. Not everybody's an eye. Not everybody's a hand. Not everybody's a foot. You know, whatever. Not everybody has. You know, you might like. You might think, oh, well, I don't have any cool spiritual gifts. I don't have any cool talents or abilities. It's like, you don't know that, first of all. You don't know that until you try. And second of all, there's a lot of roles. I mean, if we go on here, he says, like, you know, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. Everybody's got a role. Everybody's got a part, a part that they play in the church. That's, that's fact. It's a question of whether you will choose to play that part and how this comes back to spiritual growth is you're not going to grow if you're not connected. It's like you are not going to grow if you're not connected and that is the way that God has ordained for us to be connected. We are to bless each other. We are to encourage each other. We are to celebrate with each other when things are good and mourn with each other when things are bad and be a part of each other's lives. I've said it before, I'll say it again, there is no such thing as an individual Christian. So, as we're kind of closing here, I want to encourage you with this. Ephesians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So I want you all to remember, it is... It's Jesus, you know, it's Jesus who empowers us. It's the Spirit who enables us to live the kind of life that we are supposed to live for God. We have to be connected. God, you know, God is not up there grading you. If you do badly at having joy one particular day, he does not stamp a big F on your test and put it in his permanent record and forever remember, ah, yes, on this day, Alex was not joyful. He was the worst person. So that's not the case. I mean, when we, when we accept Jesus into our lives, you know, while we're not, just accepting, we're not just accepting him coming in and, you know, just Jesus taking the wheel and then we kick back and everything's fine, but at the same time, we can't fall into the trap of believing that Jesus is just sitting up there waiting for us to get our stuff together so we can be cool. He is actively at work in our lives every day, all the time. We are the church every day, all the time, not just on Sunday mornings. And next week, I believe Olivia is going to be talking about our new identity in Christ. So we're going to take all this a step further and talk about, you know, what, you know, who are we in Christ? You know, which is a huge part of spiritual growth as well. But I feel like we should pray. I think we should pray to close our time here. So, Lord, thank you for this place. Thank you for these people. Thank you for everyone in this room upon whom you have poured out your spiritual blessings, even if they don't know it yet, Lord. I 
long to see each and every person in here, even myself included, but every single student, every single staff member, continue to grow and discover who it is you have created them to be, their role in the church. I long to see them discover more fully that connection, Lord, that blessed, that blessed relationship that they have with you that enables them to live like they never possibly could on their own, to be free from things they could never be free from on their own, to do things they could never do on their own. Lord, it's all you. And you enable us to be the kind of, kind of people who reflect your glory, who are, not un, who are no longer unprofitable. Lord, I can't comprehend it, but it's awesome. Thank you to God. Amen.